he's right here, so. Oh, he topped Whoa. it. He cold topped it. Okay. Ready to go. Yeah. Oh, he shanked it. Oh, look at that line, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy, is he on the sink. Welcome to the Bogey Boys podcast. Oh, he's back to where he belongs, eh? <laughs> You're joined by Mark and Kevin. See, you don't even know how to do my bit, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, brilliant, Sam, man. How are you? Yeah, can't complain, can't complain. Had my first lesson off David this week. Back in there. Back in there, yeah. Was it like, did he go easy on you, or was he rip, did he rip you apart? Well, yeah, you tell me, so... A first one in there, and he went, it's a few irons, it's a few irons, what do you want to work on? I said, obviously, the driver, you know, my issues I've got with, with the long stick. Okay, we'll warm you up quite now. It's a few drivers and stuff, and he went, hmm, this is interesting. I haven't had a challenge like this for a while. Oh. As crazy as that sounds, it's not as bad as you think. It's, yeah, a, few, no. it's a few fundamental flaws that I'm doing, which uh, they're not easy to fix, but if I work on just those little segments, then... It'll be fine. It's like I was saying last week, though. If you've got something to work on on the range and you can go and bed it in with 100, 200 balls, even sometimes 50 balls of doing it exactly how you meant to do it, it can work wonders. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And get the feelings. Once you get them feelings and you, and you, and you start, like it makes me turn, as you make yourself turn through the ball and get on top of it and put your weight forward and diff- different things like that, then... It, it it feels alien at first, but a couple honestly, a couple of hundred balls and your um it comes on worlds worlds of difference. Like when I was taking the club back, I was moving backwards and all my weight was going on my back foot. So then it was more of like a timing issue to get it to get it bang on. So sometimes if I was getting ahead of the ball and then flicking my wrists, then that's where the low left was going. And if I weren't getting there on time and leaving the hands open, it was going miles right. So it was just a matter of luck. Whether it went straight or not, and like you just don't need that round SNA, really, do you? <laughs> <laughs> when you don't know where it's going, the quickest fix would be to leave the dryer off the bag, but we don't want to be doing that, do we? You can't do that, man. It's the no. best club. <laughs> we'll get there. Did you play? Uh, no, just range, 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 balls, balls, balls. Didn't yeah. play at all. No, what about you? Did you play? Yeah, I played a couple of times. Yeah, um, I played with David actually. Um, played the uh, one of the days the park. The course was closed, Formby was closed, so I played the par three and the greens, like for December, they are lovely, rolling like tabletops, like perfect. Mostly, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And like I must have held another few hundred foot worth of putts. Even Hayden, one of the you know, the pro Hayden at a Formby, another lad, he was like, You're dangerous with the putter today. <laughs> but, <laughs> Did you put um, that down to the putter mat? It's gotta be, yeah. Remember when you helped me with the um the aim thing to looking a bit closer? The intermediate target, yeah. Well, that that so that sort of helped me realize when I am picking the line, like I can pick that, pick the closer target, and that gives you more feel, and you get something to aim at a bit, a bit closer. So I was doing that for a little bit, wasn't I? Yeah. Then I was closing my eyes and and getting the feel out of it, and then I was so I was getting the judgment quite good, and then that's just built up. So I've been using me me putting that and and hitting the strokes, like anything from inside ten foot. 15 foot, I just feel like I'm in the living room and just put the straight the straight stroke on it because I've learned that when I was hitting at them intermediate targets, the, the ball was breaking the right way or the, I was I was picking the right lines. That sort of helped me start to read the greens a bit better now going forward for the long ones. I don't actually use that anymore, but I can see it a bit all a bit better. 
Yeah, it's it's more of what the reason I use that. It's more of a confidence thing. So oh, yeah. I I know that if I've picked this line and I use the intermediate target about a foot in front of me, I know if I line it up on there and it misses, I've misread the put in my head. This is the line where I think it's going to go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's I'm transferring it. To, like I was put. I hold a few months at North Wales. I hold a load of puts on the path three. Hold loads on the actual the main course as well. And you're riding on confidence as well. If you stand over the button thinking this is going in, it, like that's what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking about missing ever. Well, how, how are you finding it with your scoring then? So obviously we say, don't we? The button's the one that brings your scoring down if your short game's on fire. So are you, are you noticing lower scores? Well, we haven't really been playing um, gross or anything. So we've just been, I've just been taking what David's been telling me in the lessons, taking it to the range. And then I'm not really caring what we score. I'm more just kind of bed the swinging still. But when right. I get to the I am I'm holding a lot of putts as well. Okay. So yeah. I, if I can keep that up and, and I can keep the swing, get the swing going through the winter, and obviously put on a bit of muscle with you in the uh, in the gym. Yeah. Be a force next season. Force to reckon with. We've still got our <laughs> match play as well. Haven't we? we need to organise um, that. We need to get that organised ASAP. Actually, look forward to that. Mean. So you just had a couple of games then with with David and and Hayden, yeah. was it? That's it, really. Yeah. Much much yeah. practice on the range, or yeah, I went to range one of the nights after me lesson. But then more just come, I'm going the range before I go out. I was getting there an hour and a half before. Yeah, hitting balls, you know, yeah. Hitting yeah. balls and then going out. So I've, I've probably had a good few hundred balls this week. Like. Not just turning up on the tee, absolutely no. pissed from the night before. And, and just then one, one of the lads is up there as well. He's got a, a track man. Like David's got a sky track. He had a, um, a track man I was hitting. He was just he had an hour and a half before his next lesson. So I just went in there. He wasn't giving me no advice, but I was just hitting. But I, it must have hit about 100, 100 odd drivers. And just every time, just looking at all the numbers and all that, like it's there's some numbers on them track bands, man. Yeah, do you understand them? No, not really. Well, like, <laughs> get me, I understand the carry. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a whack. How far has that one gone? <laughs> that's all I was kidding about. He's like, your yeah. load angles off there. I said, don't give a fuck. It's been 300 yards. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Yeah, so I'm just I've, I've got something to work on now. That's the main thing for me. That's all you need, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's just taking it back to basics. That I mean, the stuff I was doing was schoolboy. It was stuff that you never should be doing. But if you neglect your lessons, then and you neglect seeing your your, your swing on video, then these things creep in, don't they? So, That's it, um, definitely a wake up call. I've got a couple of months to get well, it. A lot of sorry, a lot of people could wait till oh, it's getting nice now. I need to get out there. I'm gonna uh, get a lesson. I'm gonna do this. And then you, you play your first three months of the season and, you, and you, you're working on swing changes. This winter, it's for that. It is. Yeah. There's footlights on the range. There's no excuse, really. No, well, that's it. I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to get on the course as much as I can because I think scoring's important as well, especially when we start playing tournaments in, in the March-April time. So, And we've just booked Turkey, haven't we? Golf we holiday. Have, yeah, I can't wait for that. Bogey nice. boys on tour. Bogey boys on tour. Turkey, what? Uh, the Masters weekend, isn't it? So we'll be doing yeah. some live recordings all the way from Turkey, won't we? Can't wait, man. I honestly can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to it. So on to the golf review, are we now? What a finish. I know. What a finish, mate. It was like, the, like again, like everyone just crumbled and got out of the way for Westwood to just win it. Like you say, like you said with Tiger, didn't you, in one of the episodes? Yeah, when, when the, he, they all just fall to put it in the water. Like, yeah. What I, what I found strange, obviously, the tournament in itself, it was quite close all the way, wasn't it? Uh, Patrick yeah. Reed looked like he was going to walk away with it the way he was playing and keeping the lead and keeping that, that little bit in front throughout the tournament. And then, obviously, you had Tommy was up there. 
Um, Westwood was up there. The one, the top five had, had it in their hand, didn't they? they? They were the only ones that if they won the tournament, they could guarantee winning it. Fitzy went on to win it, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and it just showed how complicated they can get. Fitzpatrick's won, hasn't he? Westwood's become come second, but he comes solo second. So if he did, obviously with Cantor making that double bogey on 17. 17, like it's literally come down to Westwood winning it by 17.8 points. Yeah, well, this is it. Well, it's, when Westwood was tied second, he was third, but then we second on his own, he was first. So he jumped ahead of both of them. It's, it's just it's bizarre, isn't it? The, the, bizarre. the system. Very bizarre. If he doesn't make that double bogey on 17, Canter, then it's it's not down to Fitzpatrick. It's not down to Westwood. It's not down to Reed. It's down to somebody who's not even involved. in the. In Actually, the I think that's a bit unfair, unfair, though, don't you? I think it's a bit unfair relying on Laurie Canter. I don't know where he was in the, in the standings, but it's not very high. And if for him to have a good knock on the Sunday, come up and take get solo second, else. it takes the, the whole, messes the whole point system up. Yeah. So what do you think Fitzpatrick should have won if we're winning the tournament? It is what it is, really. But yeah. I just don't know. It just seems like if, if someone just pops in and, and joins you on solo second, that the whole thing can change around and it's the difference between winning the race to Dubai and not. What do you prefer? Do you prefer the FedEx where you start under par or do you prefer letting the points nah, well, go? Remember the ones with all that changing, didn't I? I yeah. I the FedEx. No, nah, I think I like the FedEx better. You like the FedEx better. So and also, it... like, you see, Morikawa could have won it there and he's only left America once to go to Mexico. That's, yeah, that needs to change. Europe's number one player. That needs to change. We mentioned that last week, didn't we? That yeah. there's no way that you can't step foot in Europe once for a whole season and be the number one European Order of Merit champion. No. How does that work? How can you be Europe's number one and not play in Europe once? That needs it needs a sorting out. That that's what that's what I'm saying. So when when I, when I was you see Tiger should have won it a good few times with the money wise, like what Marek Morikawa is doing now. Tiger didn't qualify because he didn't have. Status on the European tour, even though he was he won the British Open a couple of them years. Like Tigers won three, held all four majors, and still doesn't win the European Order of Medic because obviously he didn't play enough events. So it needs to go back to that system. It does, yeah. It yeah. does. I mean, if you're, it's unfair on the lads who are, who are, who are grafting week in week out because even Patrick Reed, Patrick Reed has been leading the, the Order of Medic for some time now, and fair enough, he come over for for Wentworth and played in that, but. He's picking and choosing which ones he wants to play in. Yeah, when he's getting the fatter wallet out of it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. He's just and all right. He's, he's not he's, doing it to get his numbers up, is he? He's doing it for the skriller. He's obviously not winning enough tournaments to win the FedEx, is he? So he's coming and he's playing in double, if not probably treble, the amount of tournaments in America than he is in Europe. And he still can't do it with that many tournaments. And obviously, he plays in a handful of tournaments in Europe, and he nearly walks away the winner as well. I know that's really comes for all the Middle Eastern events, the Saudi Saudi events, and he come for Wentworth, and that, I can't even remember him going to another tournament. And it was only the fact that he bogeyed sixteen and seventeen that he never he never walked away and won it because if he if he doesn't do that, then he, he he's the winner, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. Exactly. One thing one thing I want to mention about seventeen. No, I, I noticed something. I mean, I don't know whether it was just me noticing it or whether it's it's been mentioned in the press anyway because I've not seen it. But on seventeen. He, he's claiming that there's something in the bunker but next to his ball, Patrick Reed, and Fitzpatrick's waiting on the tee, par three, the 17th. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking in my head, so he calls the rules official over, and Patrick Reed's obviously, I need a ruling on this, whether he thinks there's a pebble in the bunker or whether it was just sand. Rules official just brushes him off and just says, no, obviously that's fine, you play the ball. He hits a good chip, nearly holds it, and then takes, eight, uh, takes ages on his putt, misses his par putt, and then takes ages on his putt coming back. 
And I'm thinking earlier in the week, Matthew Fitzpatrick has turned around and said that he hates slow play, he can't stand it. And I'm no, thinking, uh, is, is, there, is, is there a bit of mind games there, thinking he's looked hey, back? He's the biggest fucking cunt in the world, of course, he's done that on purpose. <laughs> Do you know, this is what I'm thinking, it's, it, is, it, is it mind games? Is he thinking, right, I see you're on the tee there. I know I'm not going to get a drop out, out of this bunker. I know it's just it's playable, but let me just try and get in your head. And do you know what? Fitty went and bogeyed 17. Yeah, well, and as well, if you if if Reader just started doing that like, about on his own accord, like with something with the sand, then he's already had a few um, discrepancies in bunkers, hasn't he? Yeah, cheating. Back and he's moved him. moved the sand away with his back with his backswing. Yeah, but he's just not a, not a nice guy. Sometimes, though, and, and it, using that same example there, Laurie Cantor was playing with Fitzpatrick and he doubled 17. So whether that weight impacted him as well. And it, it was that, it, But it was that double bogey that cost Reed the title. Because if he ah, finishes so tied... A bit, a bit of instant karma for him. This is it. It looks like if... Uh, obviously, we'll never be able to prove that he done that, but no one... will just way. say he did. If it makes him look like more of a cunt, we'll say he did. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so Cantor makes double on 17, which meant he had to eagle 18, otherwise Westwood wins it. And he absolutely bombed his drive down 18 as well. I thought, Jesus, he's got a chance here. And just see where he put his second shot. Passing over in the hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have been further away. But yeah, so then obviously he doesn't make his eagle and three-time European champ. Yeah, he joins Seve, Monty, Rory and Sandy Lyle to win the, uh, the Varden Trophy on more than three occasions. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Well, you've seen what some of the players have said to him. Tommy have tweeted saying he's the definition of the European tour. I first watched him win his first one when I was eight years old. So it shows how long he's been playing at that top level for. There was a couple more. Monty come out and praised him. Thomas Bjorn's come out and praised him. Um, Fitzpatrick's come out and praised him in his in his post-conference. Yeah. Greg, no, I've seen that. He, Lee Westwood put a text up of um, Greg Norman messaged him as well. Yeah. Quality we spoke about him, like, like I said last week on the podcast that he's won in the Middle East, that, like, so he could do well. This he week, did. He's co- comfortable there, isn't he? You know, yeah. He's comfortable on the European tour, full stop, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he made a decision to, to get his PGA playing rights as well, though, didn't he? He said he was going to try a bit more out in America, but I don't know after seeing what he's done there, whether he's going to continue with that next year or whether he's going to stick to more European tour events. Going back to Fitzy, and he joins... John Ram, McElroy, and Stenson as the two-time winners of the DP World Championships. He last won it in 2016, and that's his sixth European Tour title. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Seeing as a little record, at the, it's the Jeremiah Golf Estate, isn't it? He's had six appearances, obviously 24 rounds, so there's 21 rounds under par. He's 71 overall for all them rounds. He's had four top tens and two wins. So he's not a bad guy. He likes that place, I think. <laughs> he likes the weather, doesn't he? Yeah. Maybe he did this, these stats before, and we could have had a little bit of money on him. <laughs> looking at the top five, he wasn't looking at anybody else. No. That's the problem. That. Did oh, you know no. that Westwood didn't even know he was going to play on Monday? What was the reason for that? His, his, his body was not in, not in a good way. Yeah, oh, we I had did see his interview, yeah. He had physios on him. He said he was doing major, major hard work and the physios and stretching and moving. I don't know if it's his back or, his, or, or what's up with him, but it's, you know what I mean? He's 40 odd now, and he's, he's, he's saying, like, I'm getting old. I've got to keep fitted. I've got to keep on top of my game and stuff. And geez, he's just won the race to Dubai, so you can't really fault what he's doing, but he, he's aware, do you know what I mean? No, definitely not. I mean, the only thing he's missing, really, is that major, isn't it? Do you think he'll win one? I put that out there on the socials the other day and just said, do you think? And a lot of people saying, yeah, but he didn't like win 50-50 that. 50-50 split, wasn't it? He didn't win that, did he? 
Death tournaments, I know. He won one tournament this year and he's won the race to Dubai, which is sound fair enough, more consistency. You don't have to win everything, do you? But I don't know. But that's the type of golfer he comes across as to me, like a consistent player. Like he'll never be miles away. He'll never, I mean, he might have the odd tournament where he'll miss the cut or whatever, but he's always there or thereabouts, isn't he? Like he, you would yeah. say he's missed the consistency, not just recently, over the years. I mean, how long ago was it when he won his first, his first one was what, 20 years ago? Yeah. And now he's still competing and still winning. And like you say, you don't have to win a lot of tournaments to win an order of merit. You just have to be consistent. And that's what, that's what I mean. So obviously that more that more suits him than the pressure building up every week soon as he turns up to a major. It's like another year. Like now the next majors that he'll play, there's gonna be major pressure on him. Like you just won the race to Dubai again, it's reignited the like British Open next year or something. There'll be major, major pressure on him. Well and there's no there's no can handle that. Well, there's no time for them to let up as well because you've got the Ryder Cup next year. Yeah, so exactly. He's, 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 gonna, he's gonna be one. I had to look at the the top 20 players in the world and there's only six European players in the top 20 now you've got and Westwood's not even one of them I think Westwood's like 35, 36 so you've got John Ram Rory McIlroy Tyrrell Hatton Victor Hovland Matthew Fitzpatrick and Tommy Fleetwood they make up the top 20 the rest is is, is, is mainly Americans so it shows yeah when we got that Ryder Cup there's a lot of chance for places for the yeah, a million for the, percent Justin Rose was 30th or something and then you've got well, that's what I mean. But you've got so you've got Justin Rose and you've got Westwood, and you, you've got a captain's pick. Like, who are you picking? Are you picking the race to Dubai champion, or are you picking Rose? Probably is he the better golfer? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's more he's he's more established, isn't he? like yeah. He's probably the opposite to Westwood. Really, he's not as consistent as Westwood, but he is. Or he's he's won majors. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's he's won tournaments. But when you got the postman as well, yeah. You, really what do you do with him? Got to bring him, haven't you? Just for morale. <laughs> Just to get him in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we look at some statistics now. So on the, um, firstly, the putter, the magic stick. For, for, we, couldn't, from... um, we couldn't do the final episode without the uh, without the Mark Lachlan statistics, <laughs> could we? <laughs> so let's have a look at the putter, then the magic stick. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, he led the field in strokes gained for the putter this week. So you know, flames... Absolutely on fire, but one player we can't see the same about Patrick Reed for strokes gained. He was 48th out of the 65 players for strokes gained putting. Is that strokes gained putting? Yeah. yeah, so his actual his actual puts per greens in regulation and puts per rounds. He was up there in the lead, but he just is he wasn't in greens chipping very well. He wasn't missing that many puts, but he wasn't holding puts for his birdies, so he wasn't gaining any strokes on the field. Ah, right, his yeah. he's chipped, so he chipped in three three times on the final day, didn't he? Yeah, seventh or fifteenth and on eighteen, yeah, his last shot yeah. of the tournament. Yeah, chipped in three times on the last day. Like I have been chipped in three times this year. <laughs> in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so he missed twenty four greens all week, but he got up and down nineteen times. And as you just mentioned there, chipped in three times. And he held a bunker shot on the um, Saturday as well. Yeah. So, obviously, his wedge game and his scrambling is unbelievable. And he still had an amazing tournament. As as always, we like to talk about the distance. Guess who led distance? Um, Hovland. No, Wilco Nina Bar. No, did he? Obviously, I forgot about him. <laughs> he, he doesn't, you can't... He, he, you talk about him beforehand because we love his distance, but then you don't see him anywhere, do you? Well, he was shot seven over first round. I think he was coming dead last. 
And what? then he'd, he'd, fin- he'd finished the tournament five under, so fair play to him. He'd, he'd crawled it back like and, and, and played well the next three days, but he had an absolute shocker first day. Couple of double, yeah, couple of it? double bogeys. Yeah, must be probably the biggest tournament he's played in. But yeah, three hundred and seventeen yards. But again, only forty six percent of fairways, and he was fifty fourth out of the sixty five for fairways hit this week. So he can bomb it like we always say, bomb it as far as you want, mate. But you need to get that more consistent. So, um, whereas our winner Fitzpatrick. He was just over 300 yards, which is still a fair way, but he led accuracy for the week. He was 76% for fairways hit. He nice. put himself in position more than anybody. Well, that's it. It shows you, doesn't it? And then, yeah, and obviously the putter was on fire. So um, you put them two combinations together and you're, you're not going to be far short of the of the tournament, are you? With Fitzpatrick, you could see a little bit of nerve settling on that 18th as well, because obviously if he's led in driving accuracy on that 18th, he just... I've duck hooked it, didn't he? Into the, into yeah, the, half side, into the left. You could see how much it meant to him as well, couldn't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, how, how, how pumped he was. And, do you know what I mean? That's his first win in just over two years. That the last time he won was uh, back in 2018, the Omega European Masters. It's the first time he's won in over two years. And if you think about he turned pro in 2014, uh, just after he's won the US amateur title, he was 19 years old. He won his first, he won his, um, his first professional title in 2015, then won again in 16, 17 and 18. But then he's had a bit of a spell where he hasn't won. So it's got some good comparisons with Tommy Fleetwood, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, so they've both... That was obviously Fitzpatrick's sixth European Tour win. Tommy's won five, but he's won one on the Sunshine Tour. We'll give him that. We'll give him that. Six apiece. They've both never won on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Tommy's 17th in the world now. Fitzy's 16th in the world now. And they both they both turned professional age nineteen. Tommy in two thousand and ten, and Fitzy in two thousand and fourteen. So they've had similar career paths. Although Tommy's been on tour longer, obviously from when they first started to, to where they are now, they've they've got a similar career path. So it'll be interesting to see who moves on from here. One to twenty six, one to twenty nine. Yeah, just thought it's worth mentioning that because they're both similar in what oh, they've done. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't really lost a bit of respect for him since the whole Bryson thing. You have, yeah. Yeah, is that more because you're Team Bryson? Yeah, well, I always have been, always will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better not review those earlier episodes then. <laughs> but like you say, he come he come out with that was a stupid comment to make, though, wasn't it? It what was. He said, uh, what he said to Bryson, but whether that's impacted. I think he probably regrets that, only a little bit. Yeah, stupid comments. Ornaments up and and then obviously fuck Bryson's up and just when Bryson sees him, he's going to squash his head with his bicep. <laughs> I think Bryson just takes it on the chin, don't he, about all the slagging that he gets in there? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's impacted this game, though, hasn't it? Yeah. Since he's won the US Open. I know he's only played in a handful of tournaments, but he's not done well at all, has he? No. Like, the Masters was a complete blowout. Um, the tournament before that was at the Safeway, where he shot about nine, nine under first round and then just went missing. Uh, that was when the Fitzpatrick comments came out, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that. That was literally the day, the Friday or whatever. Yeah. And you can see oh. the way he's, he said he's working hard and never. Obviously, we follow him on the socials. He's playing tennis and he's hanging about with the long drive champions and everything, isn't he? Doing that, yeah. Trying to get some tips. Imagine he come out swinging it like that cowboy next year when I mean, <laughs> just having a good rip. <laughs> he does. He pretty much does anyway, doesn't he? Really? Yeah. That's it. That that causes a close to the European Tour for the season. Anyway, the DP yeah. World Championships won by Matthew Fitzpatrick by. Uh, just the one stroke over Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood, because of that finishing sole second, went on to to become the three-time European Tour Order of Merit champion, race of the bike champion. 
And we're on to another season. It's not long to wait either. You've got the end of January when they're back in the HSBC Abu Dhabi Championships. That's the next one from the European Tour. It starts again pretty soon, five weeks' time. And that's the one that uh, Tommy's won that twice, isn't he? That's that one. Yeah, that's it. Well, Tommy come out, hasn't he, and said, um, obviously, about his, his big essay about how he thought his, his season went. And he's saying that he didn't think that he's, he's played well on, as well on the course as he should have. Thinks he should have won in three three tournaments. So, Portugal, well, Scotland. Portugal, couldn't he? Scotland. And then, what's his other one? Um, he did mention one on the... Uh, I haven't read it. I'll have to read it later. Yeah, I can't remember. It, which, there was a tournament in America anyway that he, um, he said he, he felt like he should have won it. Um, I can't remember which one it was though. So yeah. it was it was pre-COVID anyway. Was it? Yeah. He might not have had a bad season as, as far as like he's, he was up there for the race to Dubai. He's won a couple of million. Like he's flying, but for his standards, he wants to win majors, doesn't he? Do you know what yeah. I mean? I suppose if you look at the the, he was top ten in the world at the beginning of the year. Now he's seventeenth in the world, hasn't he? So to him, he's dropped nearly what's that eight places. Yeah, so, so yeah. he's obviously the wrong direction for him. What he wants to achieve in his career, he said he's looking forward to hopefully getting in the Olympics because you've got the Olympics this year as well, where there's a, a golf route who enters that, and then you've got the um, the Ryder Cup at the end of the year. So there's plenty to play for, and it all kicks off again in five weeks. So plenty awesome. to look forward to. Yeah. No. Well, that'll bring us on to the nicely onto the ladies. Yeah, so you've got the Women's US Open, haven't we? Uh, delayed, obviously, we're recording this on a Monday, so it's still going as as we speak. Yeah. Um, Amy Olsen's got a two-shot lead. Um, she's currently two under par. Never won a professional tournament before in life. I know, I read, and it'd be a, quite a sentimental one to her as well if she wins this because her father-in-law died on Saturday. Oh, yeah. One of them, yeah. I know. But the, the, the lady was winning overnight, that Hinako Shibuno, uh, she's four over through 12 holes, and she's playing with, with Amy Olsen. I know. I watched the. I watched, was watching a bit of it before. Like some of the, um, she bladed, she bladed a couple of wedges long over the greens and been making a few um, very bad errors. Well, that one on two wasn't it? She was in the woods, left on two, and she only needed to put punch a little shot through the woods, and she took a wedge or something, and she's hit the tree, which is a mile above her head. I know. Like what? Like it's it's just no, it's, it's mental errors. It's, it it's is mental, little mental errors, and it ends up costing you a tournament. It is. One thing I found when I was looking through and, and, and looking at the players, there's 24 amateurs in the field this week. Obviously, only six made the cup, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of amateurs, isn't it? For, that is a lot of amateurs for one tournament. Yeah, whether that's got something to do with COVID, I never got to the bottom of it, but I'm thinking that 24 amateurs in one in one tournament is a lot. Is it usually that much, like? No. Like, like do the women just... Because I know they've got more majors, haven't they? So I wonder if they had more, um, more like, more different new amateur tournaments where you get entries or more, like... Remember when, like, like, like Shaq Lady was saying that when, when he was playing, if the PGA events and different like things get more spaces for Wentworth, now they've only got about one. So maybe the women's game's not that far up there yet. So then more amateurs actually get spots from other places or something, wasn't it? Other tournaments, maybe, maybe yeah. we'll have to fact check that one. But yeah, only six yeah. that made the cut in the end. Top amateur at the moment, Caitlin Papp. She's plus three. But that's that's enough to give give you the top ten. But yeah, Amy Olsen, going back to Amy Olsen, she's ten pro in two thousand and thirteen, and this will be the first victory she's ever had. So yeah, like you say, a sentimental one. It'd be nice for her to get to get over the line. But she's being chased by a couple of a couple of veterans that in B Park, she's looking to make a late charge seven time champion. She's currently a plus two. So she's four off the lead, but she's finished their round. So with five or six holes to go, you don't know what could happen there. Um, considering how tough it is. Yeah, Inby Park, she's won seven major championships. Good effort, that, isn't it? Yeah, she's won two US Opens. And then you've got um, Ji Young Ko, who won two 
um, of the five majors in 2019, and she's just a couple back. She's at even par at the moment. Um, so again, somebody she's gone 14 all. She's one under for today. So again, that's another another major champion in the past that knows how to get it done. Chase chasing her. So it won't be easy for her anyway. It won't be easy for her, no, especially on that course. I just I don't I don't know what to think about that rough. What what's happened? I, is don't, that... I don't want to want to think about the playing on two different courses for the major. So the playing on the Cypress Creek course and the Jackrabbit course. You know what I mean? For the major championship to play on two courses, like how do you even set your records and do all your the stats and that if it's over like it's out two different courses? It's weird. Very weird that, yeah. You know what I mean? I know they do do it in the men's game as well, don't they? But we'll have a little look into that to see why. But yeah, no, so the US women's open coming to a close there. But there was another tournament on this weekend as well, which we'll quickly we'll quickly jump on the QBE shootout. So uh, I mentioned I mentioned last week, didn't I? Louis Ustazen uh, and Tony Finau. That the we wasn't sure why they decided not to to play in the in the race to the bike, especially Louis Ustazen, considering he was I think he was tenth or eleventh, so he had the chance of winning the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he he played with Bubba Watson in the QB shootout, and Tony Finau played with Cameron Champ. Both finished on twenty six under par, tied fifth in the in the tournament, only over three rounds, and it was Harris English who's obviously been playing really well this year. Um, he partnered with Matt Kutcher, and they won by nine shots. Do you know what they shot over the three rounds? 58, 61, and 60. Fucking hell, what, like, is it Texas Scramble, like? Yeah, it's um, better ball, isn't it? Yeah, but better ball is like, you've still got to shoot and make the birdies, and that's so you've got to dovetail them out perfectly. But, like, you sure they haven't got any, like, amateurs with them with shots or anything there? <laughs> 18 shot. Well, that wasn't even the lowest round of the week. Kevin Nair and Sean O'Hare opened with a 56. At 12 birdies, two eagles and four pars. What the fuck? I know. Are they playing a pitch and put? <laughs> it looks like, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but I thought it was worth mentioning the QB shootout. I know we never reviewed it, but obviously the tournament's finished and I thought 37 under par over three no, it's, got to, it's got nothing to do with the tours, though, has it? Doesn't count. No, there's no point to not know. Well, it's just a little bit of fun or something, is it? I don't know, there's only about 30 players, 32 players that play in it. Ah, I see. Whether it's just a charity thing, I don't know. I don't, I don't really watch the QB shootout when it's been on in the past, but... No, they're quite hard to um, keep up with them team ones, aren't they? And it's all weird scoring, and then there's usually, as I was saying, amateurs. They're usually amateurs, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. They're playing them, like, them sort of events and that, but... Interesting. 37 under, some knocks, some knocks them, aren't they? 37 under for three rounds as well. I believe a 56. Done that, I've done, done that myself a few front nines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even messing. PJ professional David Goscombe has had a 54, you know, round four and be all. 54? I think it was 54 or 56, yeah. 54 is 18 under, you know. Yeah. I think that's what it was. So what's he done there? Well, because it was on winter greens. Bucket oh, holes, like. Oh, big bucket holes, okay. Yeah, but you've still got to get the ball in the hole and everything he was in was just going in. Like, and it was just... He, and he's putting everything on the on the greens, like eagled every par five. I think one of the par fives you can reach him one though. <laughs> like he's <it> <laughs> short, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a 54. I have to fact check that with him. Unbelievable though. No. 54, 54 shots for 18 holes round. Anyway, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll have to do. Let me get back to you on that one. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. Let us let us definitely check that one. 54. <laughs> some going like. Uh, just, well, just going back to the women's a second, like you know, you notice the leaderboard, lots of Asian, lots of like Thai, um, Koreans, Jap- Japanese, and stuff. Yeah, I remember when that um, 
Rio Ishikawa was it? Remember he came on the scene? Yeah. And a couple of others, like and you they were like, Oh, the Koreans and the Chinese and they're gonna overtake the um the game. It's it's funny that they haven't in it, but they have in the in the women's. It is interesting that to be fair, yeah, because they are they are dominating. They want to well, then they dominate the Olympics, they don't like they, they work the Chinese, not just bash it, don't they? Yeah, they do. It's amazing that they haven't actually took over the PJ Tour yet, isn't it? Obviously, America's a rich country, isn't it? And if you look at it, oh, yeah, because China's skinned, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I mean is, it's well established in the in the game. Like loads of golf courses, loads of professional coaches. The setup yeah. in the American colleges is all there. It's financial. What I mean, when you think of the, the, these Chinese but people that get the kids and when the eighteen months making them run miles and marathons and that, like, do you know what I mean? Like, Either, yeah, you haven't seen them in the gymnasts and all that. Getting them and they're putting them in camps and like they're heavy customers, the Chinese, mate. So you think yeah. that they were like, you think they would have had these golfers and like wanting to take over? You know what I mean? But it was just an interesting fact when I seen the leaderboard thinking, what do they haven't took over the, like the PJ or the European? Do you know what I mean? Well, it's only really Matsuyama, isn't it? Matsuyama's yeah. probably the biggest superstar from, from an Asian perspective, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Or oh, Afi Marmrat. <laughs> <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> so, what's our beardy bogey bus this week then, Kev? Well, the birdie's got to be Westy, Annie. Yeah, it has to be done. It three times race to the Dubai champion. Well, Order of Merit champion, and it's changed its name over the years, but three times. Yeah, it's got to be like bravo. Even though really. I'd even go so far as to say the way he celebrated it. See his Instagram story. Yeah, with Stenson, I'm getting swatted and that. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is the way. You actually see him like, bingoed in the uh, in the seat the next day. Absolutely bingoed. Yeah, exactly what we like to yeah. see that celebrating style. I see a few of them on the Instagram. I am having a bit of a knees up, like Tom Lewis and Laurie Canton that were all dancing around like the hotel rooms and stuff. So must have just been a good old let your hair down sort of night. It's been a mad year, hasn't it? When you think about it, obviously with yeah. COVID and everything, no one, everything's locked down. And obviously, I imagine when they're in those bubbles, you'd think that they're not allowed to go out and leave the bubbles, are they? Do you know when the European tour and they go and play an event, they can't just go somewhere. They've got to stay on site, haven't they? Yeah. And yeah. conform that bubble. So that's probably the first time they've been like, right, there's no tournaments now for five weeks. Let's just do what we want. Let's go and all get sloshed. Yeah. yeah. Decent, oh, look good. I like, I like to see that side of the people, do you know what I mean? When more than just golfers, obviously. Definitely. You always see Stenton, he's always up to no good. And you see what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, see him in it with Polter's keys. <laughs> That you always need someone like that on tour, don't you? Yeah, yeah. If anyone hasn't seen that, make sure you go and check it out on um, either Stenson's or Polter's Instagram. Yeah, and maybe. Stenson hides Polter's keys and he's videoing them from across the car park when he's looking around, going mad looking for them. <laughs> blaming his caddy and everything. Yeah, blaming Where like the that. fuck have you put these? <laughs> Unbelievable. So, what's, what the bo- what's the bogey? Well, you can add it. Mix it, you can pick what you want with one of these two, the bogey and the bust. Either there's no more golf or there's no more bogey boys, whichever comes more important. I think we just need to make it clear that there's no more bogey boys for now. We will be back. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, guys, we're going nowhere. <laughs> no, yeah. No more golf now. This is the season finale, which we've said. Um, obviously, we're going to wrap the season up. We've still got some interviews to be to be releasing over the next next couple of weeks so we'll still be releasing content but for our reviews because the golf's finished now until the beginning of January this is the final episode for the next three weeks in it Kev yeah well we've got a couple of interviews in the bank haven't we and then we've got a couple of interviews lined up and hopefully try and get a few more in but we'll just yeah we'll just keep keep bringing content and just hoping that people like it and That's slow it. and steady wins the race so the bogey is no more golf for a few weeks and then the bust is that unfortunately because there's no golf there's no bogey boys either 
Yeah. But we'll still be providing content, as we've said, through the interviews that we've got stored and that we've got lined up. Some really good insights to golf coming up, haven't we, Kev? Yeah, man, of course we have. So there is one thing that we do need to conclude before we end the series, and that is the GOAT GOAT debate. The debate. We've done now, haven't we? We've done the we've done the generational goats debate over the five generations. Um, yeah. Obviously, Bobby Jones initially, then Ben Hogan joined them, Jack Nicholas, Cynic Faldo, and Tiger Woods. So we'll just quickly review, obviously, their backgrounds. Won't spend too much time on it. And then you've got a special guest appearance for us, haven't you, Kev? Well, I've got a special um, a request off one of my friends who said, "Have you never heard of um, Mo Norman?" And I was like, "No, go on." And then. I had to look into him and get him for a little fact file treat here. Yeah, as you say, it's like one of them Mickelson things. You can't be called the go, but some of the things that I'm about to read out to you, you'll just be like, wow. <laughs> wow. You want to you wanna wrap it up first and then I'll bring this one in? Yeah, let's go for it. So Bobby Jones, amateur sensation. He won a total of seven majors in the seven years from 1923 to 1930 without ever turning professional. Um, over that same period, he won five US amateur championships and one amateur championship with winning scores of 10 and 9, 9 and 8. He won 8 and 7 three times and 7 and 6. So they weren't even close. Um, absolutely roasting people. Just roasting people, yeah. You're probably thinking when you get to a final with him, yeah, lad, you just take this. Yeah, but that, that, gets him in, that got him into the majors uh, by, by winning those tournaments. And, yeah, and he's winning end. the majors as well, though. And he? then he's going on and winning <laughs> the majors, yeah. But like you, you spoke about in your review, uh, he was a, was a lawyer by trade, was he? He was a lawyer, yeah, full-time lawyer. Full-time lawyer, so he wasn't interested in the professional side of it, was he? He was just going because it was a game he enjoyed, really. I don't know what the money was like back then, but I imagine... Where did you get the time, Lee? What? Where did you get the time to be a lawyer and be a golfer? Not just a golfer, though, one of the best. I know. <laughs> Putting in the office while he's um, sorting someone's case file out. Yeah, and then next we have Ben Hogan. Uh, obviously, Pip Sam Sneed, winner of nine major championships, um, Having won um, at least one of each of each major championship, not many have done that. Um, he had sixty four PJ Tour wins, which is fourth of all time. Um, and obviously, one of the most amazing things was after surviving a head on collision uh, and being told he'd never walk again, never mind play golf. And then just five years after, in nineteen fifty three, he won five of the six tournaments that he entered, including all three majors. Um, as we spoke about in our review, he couldn't play the PJ Championship that year because it clashed with the Open. So he won three out of three. Potentially could have been the first ever person to win the, the full Grand Slam. Well, he didn't uh, have a chance, did he? So well, that was, This is the argument, yeah. And the way he was playing, obviously he's winning everything he entered in that year. We said he had to cut his tournaments down because of his injuries. He had to pick and choose what tournaments he could play in. But he carried on for almost 20 years after that as well. Didn't retire well, till the early one. 70s. So, yeah, again, another unbelievable talent, Ben Hogan. Then we moved on to another generation, Jack Nicholas uh, and Arnold Palmer. Just a small number of 18 majors in the bag for the Golden Bear. Yeah. And a total of 73 PJ Tour wins, third of all time. Um, he was the first player to win all four majors three times, although he never won them all in the same year. Unreal, though, isn't it? Yeah. Then it was on to another um, Cynic Faldo. Um, he went up against Greg Norman, mainly residing on the European Tour for his career. He won 30 um, European Tour events, which was fifth of all time. And he also won six majors, won three green jackets at Augusta and three Open Championships. 
Um, and he also won nine PGA Tour events. But as we mentioned there, it's because he mainly played on the European Tour. Yeah. Um, and outside of America, it's only Harry Varden and Gary Player who have won more major championships. So he's the third leading all-time major champion outside of America. Unreal, isn't it? And then the main man, the man that gets our votes, but obviously it's not up to us to decide, Tiger Woods, TW. So just the three majors behind Jack uh, at 15. Uh, Tiger's also won all majors at least three times, and he's the all-time winner on the PGA Tour with 82 wins. Um, just some interesting facts about Tiger that we never covered last week. I said there's a few interesting ones that I bring to bring to the table today. Um, so from 1996 to 2007, he made almost $770 million. Fucking hell. He's the first athlete to earn over a billion dollars in his career. Effort. Very good effort. And there's one thing that I didn't know about him uh, when I'd done some further reading, is that we, we spoke about the infidelity scandal um, back in 2009 and the damage that done to his career. But it, I'd say the, probably the biggest damage it done was to the Tiger Woods design. So back in 2006, he decided that he was going to start designing golf courses. Firstly, in Dubai, so he went through the the process of building the course and a total of seven holes were built before the whole thing collapsed in 2011. So five years of hard work to only get seven holes built. And then a couple of years later from his first build in 2006, he took on another two courses, one in Carolina and one in Mexico. And they both never materialized due to financial implications. And it was estimated that the scandal cost around $8 billion. Jesus, man. Yeah, that's just not, that's his estimated earnings, but he was also dropped by Accenture, AT&T, Gatorade and General Motors. Gillette suspended any adverts with Tiger in them and Tag dropped Tiger from their advertisements also. So all the money lost from those businesses from no longer supporting Tiger Woods plus his estimated career earnings. Do you think it was around $8 billion? Do you reckon anyone's ever asked them, was it worth it? <laughs> Great question. I've got a little few interesting ones on. Do you know that he's won seven times in a row between 2006-2007 and he's won six times in a row in 1999 and 2000 and he's won five times in a row in 07 and 08? What a man. In a row. How was there even an argument for it? I say it's not our decision, but how was there even an argument for him? It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, because you think how many years did he have out the game with us? Because he won the US Open in 2008 and that was major number 14. And then it took him 11 years, didn't it, before he won the Masters last year. Mm. So that, in that 11 years, he's obviously won some tournaments, but nowhere yeah. near the calibre of tournaments that he'd won in those, first, in those first 12, 13 years as a pro. So can you imagine if that wouldn't have happened? I know you say, if your auntie had balls, she'd be your uncle. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're gonna say that you again. Just took the words out of <laughs> but I just I know I think like this, but I always just think to myself, what could have been? Yeah, could have so been. when you ask them, is it worth it? There's no way it could have been worth it. No. No. But you Not never know. You never know. But he was also arrested in 2017. Um he eventually pleaded guilty to re- reckless driving. Do you know what he was fined for that? What? $250. Is it even worth it? Even where for the rest of them, taking two hundred and fifty dollars off him. What's that to him, Mike? <laughs> no, it's yeah. I don't know. Slap a his, his face was all cabbaged on them pictures. Yeah, when he got done for that because he was on some sort of medicated drugs, but he was drinking as well. So 
and he was yeah. absolutely, absolutely butty faced when he when he um I thought there was no traces of alcohol, but he was just uh, it was the meds for his back that he and he shouldn't have really been operating the car. So he got done yeah. for reckless driving and he got a fine and had to do community service and then he got told that he had to go on a like training course about and he wasn't allowed to drink for that time period. So you put two and two together, you know. What wait, I mean? wait, what was he doing? Litter picking, like with his high vis on and that. That's what I was thinking. You know, I was thinking myself. <laughs> I wonder what he done for those fifty hours, like. Fucking hell, man! Surely not. And where he went? Probably just have to do a few charity events for free. Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? So come on, give it to us, Mo Norman. So Mo Norman, have you heard of him? I've heard of him. Yeah, I've heard, I've not really read in, into him, but I, obviously I know. I know, like, he's, he's quite a character and he was banned off tour yeah, so and things. He's basically, he's a bit of a character, but, like, it all started, he was working in a bowling alley for, like, getting 10 cents an hour, putting, like, skittles up, you know, like, just standing them back up when people knocked them down. And he got a letter off Bobby Jones um, inviting him to play the Masters in 1956. So he went to the Masters that year and then he's dead nervous with like crowds and different things because they reckon he's never been actually diagnosed, but they think he's got autism because he's got major routines. He likes to wear his pants like up his leg a bit, half down his shin. He likes to wear, he only wears long sleeve tops and he, he buttons it all the way to the top all the time. And yeah. he's like quite, quite, got quite a, um, a funny voice, do you know what I mean? He's yeah. got like a bit of a routine to it. So like the, if you had to put your money on it, you'd say he was autistic, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, that routine then travelled over into his golf swing. Very repetitive and very... Very repetitive, reg- yeah. Reg- and he, he, he invented the one-plane swing, which is what, like, Bryson DeChambeau has adopted now. So, like, it, it's weird. Like, do you reckon that he, he drinks 26 cans of Coke a day? <laughs> <laughs> that makes him the goat or not, like... <laughs> um, well, Tiger Woods said in an interview, there's only two men that have ever owned their golf swing. It's... Mo Norman and Ben Hogan. Ben Hogan, yeah, I thought you were yeah. going to say that. So he used to just turn up, no caddy, loads of mud on his clubs, and they never cleaned his clubs, no head covers, they all just twatting around in his bag, and he'd just <laughs> rock up onto the tee, hit it, and run off to his ball. In, in the 1956 Masters, he um, he got on the tee, and when the, the, the announcer was like, on the tee, Mo, and then he hit it. And he said he looked up and was like, that's on the fairway. Probably itching for a can of coke, wasn't he? Yeah. And then someone asked him when the last time you missed the fairway. He said twelve years ago. Madly <laughs> <laughs> mad remembers the numbers, though, isn't it? Yeah. So then he um, that night he shot seventy-one the first round of the of the Masters with the first year he went that when he was all nervous and stuff, and he um, he went to the range and he bumped into Sam Sneed, and Sam Sneed gave him some advice, and he he, he reckons because he was he took the advice that literal and that to heart that. He hit 800 balls that night and fucked his thumb. He like wore a hole in his thumb because he did that many balls. And he ended up shooting 78, but he made the cut and he pulled out. So obviously they're not going to like that, are they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then basically in 1959, he went to the Masters again, when played four um, tournaments on the PJ Tour. He played 12 in his whole career, but he played, actually he played 12 tournaments that year. Sorry, he came fourth in um, one in Phoenix. And the PJ Tour like, and three officials and, and one player collared him like after the, after they'd done something. He had a bit of an altercation on the course with one of the players and they all collared him in the corner and was like, listen, you need to start having a caddy. Like, you, you need to start playing the game like properly. You need to start... Because he used to tear off off like big massive tees like about like a foot high and stuff just because he like just because he could like on the on the course and stuff. 
Sounds like Happy Gilmore. Yeah, I know. I was thinking it's definitely it's based on him million percent. Yeah. Like he sets it up a foot behind the ball when it when he swings and hits it. You know what wow. I mean? So they all said, like, you need you can't be doing none of this anymore. You've got to sort your, your act out to dress properly and all that. And he went to his mate's room like an hour later and he was he, he was crying his eyes out, like saying like life's got to him and he can't do it no more. And he he, he went off back to Canada, and that was the last time he was seen on the um on the PJ tour. But he, then he went to Canada. So that was because on. because they turned around and said to him, like, you need to change change your act up or or get off the tour. They just yeah. he quit he quit from, quit the tour from there. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know, so it's sort of like bullying, really. It is, yeah. He, um, he went on to win 55 times in Canada, though. And they reckon he, when they asked him how many hole-in-ones you've had, he actually lost counts. But it just, in tournaments, there's been 17 hole-in-ones, nine double eagles, three 59s, and he's got 33 course records, obviously three at 59 and four at 61. Um, they reckon that if he, if, if he has 100 butt range balls on the range... That if you hit with a long iron, like a three iron or four iron, you hit them and you could get a crate and put them on top of where they are. That's how accurate he is with them. And what then, uh, I know when he retired, um, the Titleist, the CEO of Titleist, put him on a five grand a month retainer for life just to give him it, like, just to say, here you go. But when he was actually playing, um, he was everything. He was always skinned. I don't know what he done with his money, but like he didn't, he was he was always skinned. And any time he did have money, he'd carry it all in his left pocket. So he just could be going around with wads of cash on him and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing, there's a couple of a couple of little legends about him as well. Never mind, like all, all that sort of like their facts. But there's a few things. He was playing a tournament in Canada, and as Caddy said to him, "You can get to the green. It's a driver than a nine iron." Yeah. So what he done was he hit nine nine off the tee and then it drive it onto the green. <laughs> <laughs> and he got it on the green as well. Green, yeah. And then he was playing an expedition with uh, with Sam Sneed and a few other players. And it was 240 yards to cross this creek. And um Sam Sneed said to him, Mo, this is a layup hole. You can't clear that driver. And then Norman said, Not trying to. I'm playing for the bridge. You know the way he speaks. And he hit it onto the bridge and crossed over the water, like through the, through the bridge, but he called it before he hit it. Oh, like another thing, he hit 1,540 drives in seven hours, yeah. None of them were shorter than 225, and they were all within a 30 yards wide landing zone. He hit it in that, and then in one sitting, was it? In one go, yeah, in seven hours, yeah, on an expedition thing. Fucking hell. So, and then another thing as well, he was leading the tournament by one in on the page, on the Canadian tour, and he four-putted the last hole, right? And then um, one of the on the next day they were playing the next tournament started to be playing and one of the reporters said to him, "Any four puts today?" And this on a par three, two hundred thirty-three yards. And then Norman put the tee down, hit the shot while it was flying through the air, turned round at him uh, to the reporter and went, "No putting today." And the ball lands on the front of the green and rolled up and went in. <laughs> What's that even possible, lad? Is he human? Well, honestly, he reckons that he can, in an expedition as well, that he hit a shot and he says, I'm going to land that on top of that ball and he hit it, lands exactly on top of it. You should watch, you should watch some of like, I've been watching the pitching lesson with him from 70 yards and he just flicks them and they're just all landing, rank bump, right next to each other. Exactly the same distance. Wow. Unreal. So he was a bit of a legend of Mo Norman there, just thought to get it, get it out there, a few like funny little stories, but he's, he's the man, isn't he? 
He is, yeah. I mean, what I'll, just, I'll go back to saying I wonder what would happen again. But you know, what would happen if he did uh, if he did carried on on the PGA tour That's and wouldn't have honestly, been? You were all saying all he needed was a bit of love and compassion and just let him be himself. And the PJ Tour just didn't want that back in that day. You know what I mean? Like so that's the, what that's the one that's the one thing that lets golf down, isn't it? The political the like stinkiness of it all, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. That's um as you it, said, well, if he's had three double three double eagles and he's had 17 all in ones and all 59s and stuff, he can he obviously play with ball, can't he? Bloody hell. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just it's just interesting. I put a little po- a poem that he done on the uh, on the story today if people want to go and check it out. Good. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, he talks about this little robot that he tells what to do, and and how we, how we I know, sorry, golf is happiness. I've put up, and I've done, I've got the robot one to come, so I'll release that after this is released. So, what about um, what about if you take his cans of coke off, and what do you reckon that's doing to him? I reckon he'd probably start biting people. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> some yeah, like, sugar there, mate. Twenty six yeah, cans. Yeah, and that's probably where all his money went. I know it's an expensive habit, that. It's mad, isn't it? But he's just obviously that wild and that crazy of a character. Like, I'll, uh, I can't wait for you to see the robot, um, the robot poem that he does, man. It's 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 mad. No, oh, well, I get straight onto YouTube and I'll have a little look at Mo Norman to be fair, because that's um, that's got me really interested. I, I've always known about him, uh, but I've never taken the time to really study what he's done or look into it. It's not something uh, I've ever done, but I think it'd be really good to have a look. There's another fella as well called Tim something, and he took on, he adopted Mo, everything about Mo, and wanted to know more and more and more. And he's like, he's called Little Mo now, this fella, because he just literally got the Mo Norman swing, and then now he teaches that thing to that swing to other people. Like two hundred thousand people have have graduated from the Mo Norman Institute who've wanted to go just to learn how to swing like that. Yeah, have you seen him? He's got his legs wide open. Like, he yeah, I've seen him. It's it, yeah. It's not what we're getting towards anyway. <laughs> Definitely not, no. <laughs> we struggle the best of times, mate. I can't imagine us getting something like that, right? I know, but if we don't have to turn, that might help us. We might need the Mo Norman Institute. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Any flexibility involved in the Mo Norman Institute? Oh, great, mate. He's oh, a that's big me. Big... <laughs> I think that's the next step. I know. So that's the goat debate. Yeah, for this season done. Yeah, Bobby Jones, Ben Hogan, Jack Nicholas, Nick Faldo, Tiger Woods. Take your pick, Mo and Norman. Mo Norman. <laughs> and Mo Norman as well. If you're into, if you're into him, if you're into him, yeah. But no, it's been a good. It's been a good little segment that I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed getting to know. Has, yeah. Obviously, there's there's players that you know more about, and there's players that you don't know so much about. So it's good to it's good to get a bit well, of insight on them. It's... I think looking back, every single little segment that we've done, it's come from a bit of you, a bit of me, and we've just got it out there, and it's, we've had a lot of fun with it. Do you know what I mean? Like even the remember the the perfect golfer that we done. We done, yeah. I say this is our this is the season finale. We look back at the season. We've had it's been good, hasn't it? We've had the perfect golfer. We've had our birdie bogey busts that we do every week. We've had the yeah. order of merit that we done. We've obviously reviewed the golf on all the tours. We've had a little bit, a few competitions. You can get down the lowest handicap. Yeah, in house, comp- me and you sort of things. That's what I'm saying. So next year we've got obviously we've got the bogey boys order of merit, which is getting revamped and, and restyled, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. We've uh, we've decided the first tournament is going to be the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. Yeah, that's going to be that's so that's the twenty fourth of January. So we'll make sure that something's released, if not by the end of this year, by the start of next year, for people to start entering. We'll put all the rules on the social media. Um, anyone who's given us the email address to contact them, we'll email all the details over. If you still want to enter, you can just send us a message, a DM whenever you want, and we'll keep all of your details ready to send over when it when it's ready to go. But it's going to be a really, really interesting 
interesting season for the for the order. It's going to run right up to the FedEx, so it's a full season long. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, and it's going to be more based on a few different stats and different things. Your player doesn't just have to win to get points; he can actually win other events, other other areas, can he, and stuff. So it's yeah, it's a little bit of a twist on it, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it is. There's more. There's more work for us to do, really, more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> It's basically what we've done, made it harder for ourselves, but hopefully it brings more fun to everyone else and a little bit more interactive. We have, we need to think of a few like new segments and different things that we're going to do like over the next year. Like that perfect golfer could get redone, but we're based on like you don't start to do like get opinion and get other people involved now that the following's getting a bit better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're getting a lot of people voting now on the on the social media, so people are getting involved, which is which we really appreciate and we really we really like. So yeah, just keep keep that coming and we'll get the perfect golfer on and people can make the decision, can't they? Yeah. So we've also got the Bogey Boys Pro-Am as well, the golf days. Look forward to having me. Oh, I can't um, wait for that, yeah. I have, so to get, I, have to, I have to get that booked, man. I know, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, to be fair, phone me all only letting you book a week, in, a week ahead. Yeah, we, we have to, um, we'll have to make some inquiries because phone me all is our preferred um, choice just because the, the function of it and after it, we can have it all in one place. Yeah. Uh, COVID, COVID permitted. But yeah, we're looking on doing that probably May, June time, aren't we? Yeah. Definitely. Yes, that's a, that's a pro. I'm talking about pros. We've still got professional routes. We hope you've enjoyed them as well. Because as I say, we've we've interviewed ten professionals now, and the idea is just to provide a bit of insight into what it takes to become a professional, the highs and lows of the career, what type of graft they have to put in to get to certain levels. As I say, some. Professionals are happy to go the teaching route. Some professionals are happy to play on the smaller tours and just do things in between. Some players want to strive to be the best in the world. So the way we're doing it and the the players that we're getting, it's giving you insight of players on the European tour, players on the lower tours. You know, it's just yeah. players just getting started and how they're feeling. Players like Shackley, you've been around for years. Yeah. Um, but it just shows you he could have easily given up. In yeah. his forties or in his thirties, and 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 he's plodded on through it because he loves the game, and then it's paid dividends in his fifties. Do you know what I mean? So, so another, it's like never give up. But you've and then you've also got the other end of it from Myersco or people that, like because we went to Myersco, so most yeah. of our players have went to Myersco, where it's like the model of the story is of the Myers of the professional route. If you go the range in college, you will become a tour player. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> If you go to the pub, you definitely be end up yeah, doing a podcast. You you, uh, you're definitely not doing anything like that. Yeah, you end up doing a podcast like me and you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's been a good season. We've come a long way. I was going back and listening to a, to a few of the um like the earlier episode, that first episode. Like I've got a good few hundred views on that now, and it sounds like we're in a bath underwater. <laughs> Well, that's it. There's still work to do. We're still learning, aren't we? As I say, the the main thing is our passion for the sport. You know what I mean? We love golf. We've we've grew up on golf. We've never left golf. Really, we've had a couple of years off, and now we're back. I've we, never loved golf more in my life. I like literally think about it. I'm on eBay every day, just looking. I'm just absolutely addicted to it. Yeah, it is. And once you find that passion, that's like this is this is easy for us to do, isn't it? Just to come on oh, and have a chat. It was. It's one of them. It keeps you up to date on the golf. You know exactly what's going on. It's 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 a, it's fun to do and it's it's informative. Hopefully, with 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 the professional side of it, and we have a laugh every week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, but we the fit, most most importantly though, we want to thank everyone for the support as well. I mean, obviously, yeah, very much. Yeah. What's what's the point in recording if people aren't listening? So, as I say, keep listening. Keep 
giving us feedback. You know, if you don't like something, you do like something, let us know. We're still trying to trying to strive to be better at this. We've only had a quarter of a season, really, haven't we, Janine? Three three and a bit months. So yeah. we're just well tweaking everything out. Hopefully when we can actually be together and be next to each other, we get the sound even better. Um we can literally go forward with all new ideas and get people actually to sit there interview with us where we can have more of a conversational feel where you instead of being on Zoom and stuff. So the plans are big for 2021. Well, that's it, yeah. And we're talking about the plans for next year as well. We've got the YouTube series that we're going to start. So we're going to be playing some of the best courses in England. We've already got confirmation of a few top, top courses, which we'll release over the next coming months. But um, we're going to be playing on course and the exact same things that we're doing now, just having fun with it, letting people see courses that they maybe have never seen before. Uh, ones yeah. that aren't, aren't normally on the telly um, and hopefully you get a bit of insight and maybe try courses that you might never think I would never thought to have tried that before and we'll yeah, do some exactly. course, course we've reviews got list, we've got listeners in America haven't we so like when they want it that you're organising like a lad's all you're thinking oh Turkey Portugal Spain America but you might be thinking I want to go to the, the northwest coast of England and play a few of them absolute roasters that we've got here do you know what I mean yeah to review them Definitely, yeah. And as I say, that's all to come next year on the YouTube. And we're going to start recording, as Kev said, there in the studio, get the audio set up, get a get more of a, a, a personal feel to the podcast and start getting them on the audio and get them videoed and get it all set up and ready for next season. That's it, man, yeah. But it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. It's been brilliant, to be honest. And, and uh, what I would like to thank is you as well for um, inviting me to come on and, and do this on this journey with you because it all stemmed from your noggin, didn't it? And now what's happened to you? You've had a knock on the head or something. You've been nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> that corona's gone straight to my head, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ. We've both got to be there and do it, haven't we, lads? That's some, the main thing. That's you know? it, yeah. But like, like you phoned me and said, do you want to do a podcast? I was like, yeah, whatever. Thinking nothing of it. Next minute you were rocking up with mics and ideas and like, let's do it. Let's record now. Why not? Why not? Why not? So I can wait round. I can wait round for the perfect moment when, as you said, the perfect moment was, was is now. Let's do it. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, exactly. But so. yeah, no, thanks everyone for all your support for the first four Thank months that we've done much. it. Um, we'll be releasing interviews over the next three or four weeks. We'll be back at the beginning of next year when the PGA Tour starts. Yeah. So everybody have a lovely Christmas. Stay um, safe. Happy New Year and we will see you in 2021. Ciao. Ciao. Oh, boy, is he on the sink.